0: Yeah. In this podcast... ...Gerald Jackson on his 45 years of production... The engineers let me borrow lots of equipment, including a
1: 4038 microphone, a ribbon mic, and uh, I used to produce trails down in
0: the kitchen. Radio Academy Producer of the Year, Eloise Whitmore.
1: If
2: they're in bed, I put them in bed. If they're in water, I put them in water. The actors usually find it much easier than standing around a microphone in the old, traditional radio drama way.
0: And the station that names artist and title
3: of every song... Every song that we play on this radio station has the song and the title and artist recorded on the end of the file.
0: I'm Steve Martin, ambassador of radio and production envoy. And this is the Earshot Creative Review.
4: Earshot.
0: And I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted already. We're sponsored by the artist agency Hobsons. They've got a voice artist for your next project. Check out the link at EarshotCreative.com and IPDTL. It stands for Internet Protocol Down the Line. Live Remote Broadcasting in Quality from a Web Browser. Try it free for your station today at ipdtl.com. Earshot, a
4: review. Sponsored by
0: Now, here's a great guy, the BBC's Gerald Jackson. He was awarded recently for his outstanding contribution to local radio. That was in the recent Gillard Awards. And Gerald's worked in the network for 45 years. Who better, then, to remind us of its history?
1: As people will know, the BBC set up eight experimental local radio stations following the Marine Offences Bill. Radio 1 was set up and the local radio experiment, as it was known. And there were eight stations, one of which was in Leeds, And I was fortunate enough to be born in Leeds and I wanted to work in radio. And up to that point, uh, the only way to get in radio really was to get a degree in something, probably nothing to do with broadcasting, and go and get a job at Broadcasting House. Um, And I didn't have a degree and... I couldn't really go to London and that local radio was brilliant. It was my saviour and I started by doing, as so many people did, tape reclaiming and made a very good cup of tea and made the toast and then started driving programmes and occasionally presenting programmes and that was in 1968. What is tape reclaiming? (laughs) Well, we obviously recorded everything on recording tape, which is quarter-inch magnetic tape. Um, and the BBC couldn't afford to buy a lot of tape and certainly for local radio the budgets were very tight so when you'd used a piece of tape and there was say I don't know a few minutes five minutes left on the end of a reel um, you would splice it back together with another piece of tape until you'd made up another reel of reclaimed tape which you could then use again Uh, and you made up ten and a half inch reels of tape which would give you an hour's recording time and those were always used to do recordings of off-air programmes because you know if there was a little a bit of dropout on an edit, it wouldn't matter too much. So, that was the job that everybody did. And here's an interesting thought, Steve. How did you splice tape? Using Uh, what? uh, Well,
0: uh, razor... God, the health and safety nightmare. (laughs) Razor blades... And, uh, and sticky tape and uh, the risk of course was if you left the razor blade on the spool and then put the machine into fast rewind It would fly off at an unpredictable angle across the room and on one occasion became embedded in the studio wall You're absolutely right and remember I'm only 18 at this time but nobody <laughs> warned me of the danger of this
1: whatsoever Or indeed chopping your finger off So it was you would never get away with it today would you having students coming in and giving them a razor blade to play with
0: Not not at all. So this is a production podcast, as you know, so we're always talking about radio production. How large a part in your career has radio production played? I think it's
1: it's probably, although I love broadcasting and doing presentation, came secondly to me to the technology. I love using the technology. I think production has been something that's been right at the heart of it from my very early days at, at Radio Leeds when I discovered that nobody ever made trails. Uh, and I'd heard, even on Radio Caroline, I'd heard Trails. And I'd listened to Kenny Everett doing some brilliant work, and that inspired me to want to do the same sort of thing for Radio Leeds. So I'd, I'd, I set up a studio in the kitchen, which was downstairs at Radio Leeds in the Merrion Centre. So the engineers let me borrow lots of equipment, including a 4038 microphone, a ribbon mic, which I set into the middle of a sofa, which, of course, made a nice little acoustic
0: box. And uh, I used to produce Trails down in the kitchen. And that's interesting, isn't it, that the BBC probably invested a lot of money in the studios there, but they weren't fit for the kind of work you wanted to do. Not at
1: all. And remember, we are talking here of the tape era, where, you know, there was no such thing as a multi-track tape machine. Um, we just used quarter-inch tape machines. There were mono as well. And in BBC Local Radio in the early days, there were second-hand machines, Philips machines, that we got, I think, for, from network, and they'd been cast off, and so they'd be good enough for local radio. The cart machine that we used was designed really for playing music. Music in a supermarket, rather than actually being used to play jingles, and they used stop foil. Uh, they would stop on the stop foil at the end, and the tandberg cart machine had an instruction that said to start the Tanberg, press the stop button. Always struck me as being a strange way to
0: work. If you don't know what a cart machine is, then uh, Google it. It's a fascinating <laughs> piece of technology, and carting uh, up on a Friday <laughs> was a bane of my life. <laughs> Well, if you'd like
1: to uh, listen to some of my early work, um, I've very generously supplied you with some. This is actually an example of how bad I was as a singer. But I was in the school choir, so I thought I could sing. Uh, But using the technology of the day to multitrack by bouncing between two tape machines. And that was my first idea of production. I was very proud of this at the time, but listening to it sort of 50 years later, I realised perhaps it isn't cutting edge.
0: On BBC
1: radio leads Away we go With much more late night music For you on Sweet and Low Nigel Fell Tonight will be Your late night company You're listening to And sweet
0: and low. Fascinating. No mention of the BBC there, Gerald. <laughs> I mean, no, well, the BBC
1: came very second on the list at Radio Leeds. I rarely mentioned the BBC. It was a bit of an irritant. Uh, no, there wasn't. But, I, I mean, you, you'll appreciate that that is awful, obviously. And I'm not making out this is anything other than that. It's except... quite folk influence. There's a yes. lot of perfect fourths in that. Th- oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, but you will also realise I broke, obviously, one of the major rules of parody. But. Technically, I was quite proud of that To achieve that multitrack with the facilities we had in a local radio station Was quite an achievement And to listen to it sort of all these years later Yes, it makes you grimaces Oh my God, listen to that But nonetheless, as a piece of technology from the period A piece of production I think it might be uh, a bit of
0: fun Uh, How musical are you, Gerald? Where do you get your musical influences?
1: Well, my father played the fiddle, uh, the cello and the saxophone. He played in an orchestra during the war, the Remy Band. I was the music producer here at BBC Radio Lancashire for about 20 years, recorded bands every week. Um, sort of the predecessor of BBC introducing so yeah I've got a reasonable background um, and I only play by ear I play the piano by ear and my party piece uh, is playing the musical saw and it's a wonderful instrument it always or implement if you prefer uh, if it always provokes a response and you can get a decent tune out of, of, of a soft steel saw with a cello bow and that's my party piece do you play the music of the carpenters (laughs) do you know i didn't see that coming no but actually you have to play slow tune so i could do because actually you can't
0: get a lot of bend in your saw otherwise (laughs) you can have that one for free thank you Gerald, we're going to hear a lot more of your work from down the ages and we're going to be talking about what you're doing now for BBC Local Radio because you are, with a musical background, the man responsible for the BBC Local Radio on-air imaging. Indeed,
1: yes, have been for the last few years and the branding that we use on all our local radio stations, 39 or 40, depending how you count them, we use a national package, I'll tell you about that later.
0: This is the Earshot Creative Review. My guest is Gerald Jackson from BBC Local Radio. Going to have a bit more of a chat together with Gerald shortly. But first, I wanted to hear uh, from another award winner. And this is very timely because just a few days ago, Eloise Whitmore was declared Producer of the Year at the Radio Academy Production Awards, where she also picked up the prize for Best Sound Designer. We were there, and after the ceremony, I congratulated Eloise on her double win were stunned by the authenticity and inventiveness of this person's work. She's generally raised the work of sound design from a craft to an art. She creates words which come to life through sound from the everyday to the haunting. In a field of winners, this was groundbreaking work that really stood out. I'm delighted to say the producer of the year
1: is Eloise Whitmore of Something <laughs>
0: Eloise Whitmore is with me, producer of the year.
2: Yeah, I am thank you very much how I'm good is that a little bit shocked to be honest um, I'm re- and I'm really really excited and I'm really um, grateful to the academy for thinking of me basically because um, I don't think the sound designer would usually win the producer award um, but they obviously recognise the amount of work I put in so I'm really grateful
0: these awards really dig down into some of the detailed craft skills behind radio productions what is it about working in sound design that really appeals to you
2: um basically I have terrible sight Um, without my contact lenses in I can hardly see anything and I think uh, to make up for it I have really good hearing Um, and so my whole life I've always been really really interested in sound and I just think um, creating, um, either mixing a feature or creating a drama in sound and and basically painting pictures with sounds um, and creating images in the listener's head is just an amazing it's an amazing thing to do basically
0: and I know you go to a lot of trouble to get exactly the right sounds, tell me about some of the things You've done in terms of researching the sounds and then finding them and recording them?
2: Um, well, for Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance, I found I just thought if I just use stock library motorcycles, someone will write in and say she hasn't used the right motorcycle. It's such a huge book, so I managed to trace down the uh, bikes actually um, was, were in the book and they were in Oxford. So I drove, you know, from Manchester to Oxford and spent half a day recording the bikes. Um, and the same for a play I made about Beryl Burton and I found the bikes that she rode or similar bikes in the Coventry Transport Museum and I recorded those. Um, so generally, you know, most of what I do is drama and I try and make it as real as possible and o- as authentic as possible.
0: And what relationships do you have to forge with the actors and the producers of these pieces in order to get the best ultimate result?
2: Um the actors are usually really good they're up for anything um i you know I, i've mic someone up before and thrown them into trafford water park about a play about a drowning man and they were all for it which is great um and the producers most of them i've worked with for so many years that they just trust me now and they let me do my thing um and they know that i will create the best sound world i possibly can
0: and a lot of your work is very naturalistic so how important to you is having a studio or can you do it all outside
2: um, you can't do it all outside. A period drama would be very, very difficult to do outside. Um, but I try and make it as authentic as possible. And I just, I think it's a better listening experience if it sounds real. So, Katharina Bloom, we went to Berlin. Um, we were in a very quiet part of East Berlin that I could make sound like 60s, um, 50s, 60s. And um, I just think that's a better listening experience.
0: Great. Well, let's have a listen now to a little bit of, of zen. Tell me how this project came about and who the producer was.
2: The producer was Melanie Harris, and basically what I do is, um, at script, when the first drafts come in, I have a look, and I break down the script, and I decide exactly what we can record in studio, what we can't record in studio. Um, And I work with the producer to to basically arrange the schedule, so we're inside a little bit, we're outside a little bit. um, And also, we've got time to actually get the authentic recordings, like the bikes.
4: We're off the interstate, Alas, and onto the old roads that only connect the little places that are no longer important to big-time America. This isn't the road we plan to take. We missed that road. In, in fact, it isn't a road I've ever taken before. And yet it feels familiar.
0: Whoa! See the lightning? It
4: gives me a peculiar feeling. Apprehension. About what? As if we were being watched, as if we were being followed. But there isn't a car anywhere, and only John and Sylvia way up ahead. It's getting darker and darker. Here comes the rain. Hits you like needles at this speed. That farmhouse. He has the windmill. he has. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What? Phaedrus has been here. This is his road. A fence and then some trees and then a house and then a water tower. Yes! Exactly right! He's been here! I'll see you there. At the bottom of the ocean. That's why the roads seem familiar. That's why I feel followed. Phaedrus has been down this road.
3: We need to find shelter! We figured on that motel
4: up ahead. Well, there's a better one. Turn right at a row of cottonwoods, about a mile.
0: Tell me about the practical situation of recording these dramas. What comes first? Is it the speech and the dialogue from the actors? Or do you build up the sound around that? Or are they playing against the soundscape that you've created?
2: Um, Generally, I don't record in studio. Generally, it's on location. So if it's a play... um we recorded a play called R.I.P. Boy that was set in a prison and we actually recorded it all in uh, big cellars. Um, we, we hired a house and recorded it all in big cellars. So then I have to take that and I have to make it sound like a prison and I add on backgrounds to make it sound more like a prison. So generally, the actors just... The reason I record the way I... Sorry, I didn't finish that sentence. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's,
0: that's fine. This is naturalistic. <laughs>
2: um, the... Um, Basically, the, the, way I, the way I record is on a pole with a microphone on the end, and the, and the microphone moves like a camera would, um, which I think is so much better for the actors. They, they can move, and I just move with them, which makes it a lot more natu- naturalistic for them. Um, if they're in bed, I put them in bed. If they're in water, I put them in water. Um, and it, it just, the actors usually find it much easier than standing around a microphone in the old, traditional radio drama way. Um, and, and they enjoy it more as well.
0: Eloise, as someone who started his career doing sound effects on The Archers, it's a huge pleasure to talk to someone who does it properly now. I pity the poor listeners who had to hear my work 25 years ago. Uh, Well done. Congratulations for taking it to the high level you have and do enjoy being producer of the year.
2: Thank you very much. And I think The Archers rocks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Eloise Whitmore their producer of the year, and also the holder, the new holder of the prize for best sound designer. Both prizes awarded to Eloise uh, just a few days ago at the Radio Academy Production Awards. I was a judge, so I got in free. <laughs> and indeed, in a future edition of the Earshot Creative Review, we'll be talking to Nathan Freeman from BBC Radio 6 Music. Nathan picked up the prize uh, for best creative Looking forward to speaking to Nathan uh, in the weeks ahead. This is the Earshot Creative Review. We're sponsored by Hobsons, and my guest is Gerald Jackson from BBC Local Radio. Gerald has recently been awarded uh, for his outstanding contribution to BBC Local Radio, which stretches back through uh, decades, but still continues strongly today. Gerald, you're you're not just in production, are you? Because you're on the air every week. I still do a programme every week at BBC
1: Radio Lancashire. I live in Blackburn, so it is my local station, and although I left the staff here in 1992, I've never really left them. Um, And and they let me on the air every Sunday afternoon to do a nostalgia music program called Unforgettable, where I play some fantastic music back from the 1920s, usually up to about the 60s. But I also have features like new for old. So you could play the new Buble cover of a classic Frank Sinatra track. And that, that would fit in because it's the genre, the style of the music that really matters. And I still love doing that every week.
0: And although BBC Local Radio clearly sounds very different now to when it started, and it's always quite amusing to hear some of that early stuff, has its original spirit continued? Uh, totally. Um, they, when, I, when I was working at Radio Leeds, and we
1: were in the Merrion Centre, in the centre of Leeds, it was a shopping centre, and people were invited to walk in and talk. And it was called the walk-in and talk radio. And it was the first time you could do that uh, in any broadcasting in this country. I know commercial radio came along a lot later anyway in the mid-70s, but nonetheless, there was no way you could go and just express your opinions. And BBC Local Radio was the first to offer that opportunity to people to literally come in off the street, walk in and talk. And that part of the ethos couldn't be more evident today um, with every BBC Local Radio station asking people for their opinions on a daily basis. The technology's changed, of course, Steve. But the principle of getting people, giving them a platform, allowing them to express their opinions and being, if
0: you like, the, the, the voice piece for the community has never changed right back to the start. Uh, And the bedrock of the information service that BBC Local Radio provides is probably the kind of functional reason people go there, isn't it? News, sport, weather,
1: travel. Yeah, I think so. But you've missed one big thing out there that I think has also been very relevant right from the start, and that's company company and companionship our audiences in bbc local radio are primarily over the age of 55 and th- there are a lot of people who are a lot older than that who are well retired and very lonely sometimes you know they're in their 70s 80s 90s may not see a lot of people and bbc local radio is their best friend um and they they send you christmas presents they send you i got when you mentioned my award and thank you very much for doing so but i got congratulations cards from our listeners to that and that's a sort of relationship you have in local radio with your audience um, BBC Radio Lancashire this week at the time of the recording has been having Lancashire week because Wednesday of this week was an official Lancashire day so uh, we bigged it up a little better, I still say we even though not officially on their staff and uh, we had the BBC bus and we went to every corner of the county during the course of a week, two big OBs every day, and lots of inserts from all over the place. And people get the chance then to come and see you, meet you, have a chat with you. It's very informal. You don't spend an awful lot of time talking to Chris Evans without having a go
0: at Chris. You know, that just wouldn't be practical, would it? We're going to hear a little bit about the uh, Lancashire Week and hear the promo uh, shortly. Um, But let's go back to um, Radio Leeds, where you uh, spent some time in the 70s. And we were talking just then about new sport weather travel. Uh, This is a weather ID.
1: Yes, uh, this is inspired by Flanders and Swan. You may have heard of them. They did a a very interesting uh, song all about the weather. And I thought I might just borrow it and a little bit of multi-track voiceover.
4: Radio leads weather check.
0: (laughs) What else do you need to say? Come on. How has the role of uh, on-air imaging changed down the years on BBC Local Radio? I
1: hope he's changed Using a lot. Using that as a reference point. Yes,
0: a, if that's the reference point, my goodness, it's gone an awful long way, hasn't it?
1: It's changed dramatically um, from the early days when, in fairness, if I wasn't making jingles like that, and my God, listening to it now, it's frightening, um, the BBC Radiophonic Workshop were making our jingles. <laughs> wasn't any money so you'd offer them some black puddings or something else local and they were brilliant to work with and they did all these jingles for us We moved a long way from that, and we started getting some production money and started using big jingle companies like David Arnold Music, who did an awful lot of our local radio stations, Alpha Sound, was Steve England's company. They were the, the companies um, that sort of gave local radio its, its on-air image for many, many years.
4: From the Trent across to the North Sea, Radio Lincolnshire. News and News.
1: in the late 1990s in the radio team that I worked with you in we tried having a national image for BBC local radio and um, you you know better than I do how this was all put out to creative people to write a logo for local radio and then we got a whole load of companies to interpret it in lots of different ways like Jam in America did a super job And there were some vocal jingles in there as well.
0: This service is for Keyword, Arnold and Radcliffe-on-Trent. It's all about the county.
4: BBC Radio
1: We're currently in a non-vocal state.
0: The One O'Clock News. With John Barnes. On
2: BBC Radio Lancashire.
1: BBC Local Radio. Uh, handed a contract out to Macasso Music who do some incredibly good work for television as well not just radio jingles they write lots of themes for TV and so on and they won in a competitive tendering process the opportunity to do a national jingle package for local radio the musicians involved include the BBC Concert Orchestra we recorded at Angel Studios in London and they were fantastic to work with and you know, you've got a 40 piece string section haven't you and a brass section and so on really making a very very lovely sound but some of the st- Stuff is quite contemporary, uh, although it's orchestral, don't get the impression it's old fashioned and they have written hundreds and hundreds of variant cuts for us Live from Elstree Studios this
0: is Mark Forrest with Children in Need BBC London 94.9 This is Vanessa Felt. Call 020 722 42000 Vanessa Feltz
1: It comes up for renewal, uh, I think, at the start of the next financial year. So, you know, we're talking 2014, where we'll be going out to competitive tendering again and inviting lots of companies to put their ideas forward, as indeed Radio 2 did last year. Um, And I think that's quite a challenge, actually, to see how you would brand BBC Local
0: Radio. And lots of companies would like to. So if someone's listening to this and is running a successful radio uh, production or imaging company would like to have a, a, a tilt at this pitch, who do they contact?
1: Well, I'd wait until I've written the brief first, if you don't <laughs> mind. But yeah, I'm a, I would be certainly one of the contact names. But we haven't yet fi- finalised the details. And I can't even give you the dates. But I can tell you, we'll be looking for a jingle package that will be heard across local radio that can represent the big city stations just as much as the rural stations. BBC London is always a challenge. You've got that does sound slightly different and i don't know whether we'll be looking for sung
0: jingles or whether we'll just be orchestral we haven't even got to talk about that yet and have you decided yet whether you want to retain the uh, the logo that you've spent the last few years building up and now you
1: see there's the biggest challenge isn't it and radio 2 found this as i'm sure you know uh and other listeners will understand that the logo is the ownership of the logo is retained by the composer and the publisher. Uh, Now, in the case of our current logo, Macasso Music are the writers, BBC Worldwide, Music Publishing, they are the music publishers. So if you wanted to retain the logo, and Radio 2 faced this exact question, you would have to come into some interesting negotiations on what percentage
0: of the royalty would go to who. Because these things take... um you know, years to, to get into people's consciousness. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, it, and, and there are lots of
1: heritage logos, and that was the biggest challenge when we changed to the current package we've got now. There's a lot of radio stations had heritage logos. Radio Lancashire did. One that Alpha Sound wrote probably in 1981 when Radio Blackburn became Radio Lancashire. If you walk past BBC Radio Lancashire, it's right in the centre of Blackburn, so there's a lot of footfall, you will hear people walk past singing that jingle even though it hasn't been on air for
0: four years. They see the building and still think of that tune. That's how music
1: works.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's absolutely right. It's a very powerful force. And I think, why would you not tap into the power of music to help people remember and recognise your station brand? A lot of it's down to fashion, I think, isn't it? Because, you know, BBC, local
1: radio and national radio and commercial radio have all had periods in their history where they've used sweepers they've used sung jingles they've used close harmonies they have used contemporary voices and it is very a fashion statement and i think a lot of commercial radio at the moment has gone back to having sung jingles do you have to be a jingle anorak to do your job yeah i think i think you've got to have some passion for what you do whatever you do and i've always been passionate about music but i think yeah an element of anorakism if the word exists is useful what are we going to hear next, Gerald? Let's move on to a BBC Radio Lancashire and another parody. And if you don't mind, I'd just like to sing again for you. Um, I think Hubert Gregg wrote the original of this. And older listeners will recall that there was a beautiful song, it was a war year song, and it was all about getting lit up when the lights go on in London. And BBC Radio Lancashire felt some years ago that we should cover the switch of the Blackpool Illuminations. For many years, Radio 2 did that as well. Um, this, this year, I think it was done by one of the commercial stations. Anyway, to promote it, I thought I could just borrow this song about getting lit up. And by the way, I'm also playing the piano on this. We're going to get lit up when the lights go on in Blackpool. We're going to get lit up like we've never done before. And to make them all aglow, a lady who will show what the lights of Blackpool Town have got in store. So join us and get lit up as the lights go on in Blackpool. We're going to get lit up like we've never been before. The Radio Lancashire team. Life to watch it gleam this Friday night along the shore. Now you can tell me, has my voice improved since 1970? <laughs>
0: I wouldn't have recognized that as you
1: if I didn't know. <laughs> is that supposed to be a compliment Steve? <laughs> 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 and, oh, you take it whichever way you want thank you i mean it's a nice idea isn't it as a promo because the song is is
0: known obviously it's known by older listeners and of course bbc local radio is skewed what do you say these days over 55 you, you seem very comfortable in your own skin talking to that audience
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's very true. And they do, you know, the amazing thing, we talked about my Sunday afternoon programme, and I'll just plug it again, Sunday afternoon at four. Um, When I play a song, um, we talked about the value of a song jingle. When I play a song on my programme on Sunday, it is amazing how people, unprovoked, you don't have to ask them to ring, text, telephone or whatever. They just immediately say, oh, I remember that song. That one was when my dad used to sing me when I was little. Oh, you know, it was so lovely to hear that again. Or that one... Ted Heath used to play that at Blackpool when I was a kid, and we used to go and dance with the band. That's the power of music.
0: In an age when people can get this music from any source, what is the power of radio for you and your audience? Ah, well, I think, you see, that's the
1: difference, if I might say so, between um, just putting on a jukebox or listening to one of the, the, the services that will stream music to you and listening to a BBC radio programme. When I play those tunes on my programme, and in, in two hours I think I play about 25 tracks, uh, every song there is a story to go with, whether it's the fact it was Rodgers and Hammerstein's first uh, big show success and that came from Show Boat and it was turned into a film in 1936, that sort of thing. If it's that, or it's just a mention that uh, that's from the new Michael Buble album and he's done a a set of covers, or that's from um, Swings Both Ways, the Robbie Williams new album, and he's done this wonderful version of Putting on the Ritz, which was originally done by etc. You get some context, and I think that's the really important thing about
0: radio, because otherwise we would just pop the CD on and not bother. Gerald, we're going to talk some more here on the Earshot Creative Review. Do stay uh, with us. I'm Steve Martin. We're sponsored by Hobson's. (laughs) So we're talking a lot about music today with uh, Gerald Jackson from BBC Local Radio. But here's the question. On the air, should we be naming and identifying every single song we play? even if it's really well known. Well, one man who thinks we should is the PD of B101 in Philadelphia. He's Chuck Knight, and I wanted to find out more about why he does it.
3: Here we go again. Five
4: songs in a row, every time the music starts.
0: Today's hits and yesterday's favourites. The
3: Complete Mix.
4: Starting right now.
3: For decades, we have seen in research... Uh, anybody who does any research that listeners want and need to hear the names of the songs that we're, we're playing, not just the new songs, but the old songs that they maybe can't remember the name of. Over the years, we've kind of walled off the content, the jock content, from the music. And there isn't a great deal of relationship between the two. And so therefore, over the course of many years, in fact, many decades, We've kind of ignored the music, and the music is the star of any radio station. It's the number one reason people come to any music station is that that station plays the music that they like. And they want and need to know. They've told us that through massive research, not just at this radio station, but again within the industry, that they want and like to hear the names of songs. And after ignoring that for so many years within the industry and at this radio station, we decided just to electronically record on the end of each uh, song file the title and artist. There's a filter that comes into play. So. It, it uh, sounds a little bit different Than the average voice The average jock voice That's on the radio station But we record the title and artist On the end of each, each song file
4: Don Henley The voice of summer
3: WBEB Philadelphia Today's hits and yesterday's favorites
2: The Complete Mix
0: But identifying the music, isn't that the presenter's job?
3: I think it is the presenter's job to embrace the music, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they need to do the title an artist. They can come on uh, after after the song tag and say, ah, oh, what a great song, or, ah, love playing that one today. That's the way that they kind of embrace it, also with artist information or what is the song about and that's how the presenters kind of embrace the music beyond the title and artist and we've done follow up research on it to make sure that we aren't irritating our listeners by trying to do something and uh, song tags continually come back with uh, an extreme uh, extremely positive uh, uh, amount of feedback When
4: I was your man. Bruno Mars. When I was your man.
3: The Bee.
0: Chuck, when I was in Philadelphia, and I was on the little bus that takes you from the airport through to the the car rental place, you know what it's like there. The driver had the radio on, and the first time I heard the little female voice, and then I heard the male drop, and I wasn't really paying attention. I thought, oh, that's interesting. That's a double-headed drive show. And it was only later that I realized it wasn't double-headed drive show at all, but the female voice is consistent on every show you do.
3: Yes, it is. Wow, that's an interesting perspective. I really hadn't uh, heard that one or considered it before. I wasn't listening properly,
0: Chuck. Just wasn't listening properly.
3: Well, uh, (laughs) perception is all that matters in, in our industry, and that's an interesting perception. That's cool. I'm glad you shared that with me.
0: But this voice, your female voice, she's on air, what, 24
3: hours a day? Yeah. uh, She is an employee. She's our public affairs director. And we went through a great casting and testing process to try to find the right voice and to try to find the right filter that we applied to her voice, too, before we put... Uh, the song, song tags on each one of of the songs. So when we enter, when we enter the song into the digital audio system, it ha- it is rendered into the digital audio system with the song itself and the song tag recorded on the end of it. It's one audio file that has both things. So yes, every song that we play on this radio station for the past six to seven years, has the song and the quick little title and artist uh, recorded on the end of the fly.
4: Ah, finally done with your workday, huh? That feels good, right? We'll keep you in a great mood as you listen to B101 for your ride home. Nothing so out.
0: What has started as effectively a public service coming out of an audience insight has really changed the sound of your radio station.
3: It has, and again, it is one of the most positive things that we've ever done with this radio station. Christmas music, playing Christmas music nonstop is the most positive thing. But uh, song tags are another just uh, no-brainer.
0: You've just flipped to a Christmas format as you do every year. Are you running song tags on even those Christmas songs that everyone knows?
3: Yes. (laughs) We never take it for granted. People probably know the names of the songs, but they may not know the artist. So everything has to be reset and every song has to be reset. They've told us that for years and within this industry... On both sides of the pond We have ignored that Why?
4: Jason Derulo The other side
0: Nothing complicated about B101 at all We're here just to keep you in a great mood Uh, Life's like
4: this
0: Chuck, I'd like you to give a proper credit to this lady Because um, she's the most heard voice on your radio station She's part of the sound of B101 What's her name?
3: Her name is Emily Seifert, and she is our public affairs director. She hosts uh, the women's show, uh, Sunday morning public affairs show, and uh, she just does a great job of it. Interestingly enough, Steve, you might have heard her when you flew out of the Philadelphia airport because she also voices the uh, security announcements at the Philadelphia International Airport.
0: So she's telling me that's Bing Crosby and also that I need to look after my luggage otherwise it will be taken away (laughs) and it may be destroyed.
3: Uh, You are right. Avril Lavigne.
4: Complicated.
0: What do you think to that, then, Gerald? Every song, every artist, identified every time. Even Bing Crosby's "White Christmas."
1: <laughs> yes, uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you said it doesn't matter how well known the song is, and and "White Christmas" couldn't be better known. I like to know what I'm listening to on the radio. You can use Shazam to find
0: out, can't you? But it's difficult when you're driving. But you listen to a station like Smooth now with their new clock, where you get, what, seven songs out of the news without any presenter? Yes, that's right. I gather it goes seven
1: songs out of the news, which obviously establishes them as a very strong music station with their Smooth music policy. Then the presenter will say something. I think there's probably another four songs after that. Of course, there's commercials
0: as well. um, But that doesn't give an awful lot of time for the presenter to say much, does it? And it weakens, doesn't it, radio's ability to help people discover music.
1: Well, yes, and that's why, if if I plug a BBC facility, that's why the BBC have brought on this Playlister service. And so you can hear a song, click on it on the computer screen, and it will put it in your Playlister file. Um, You can come back to it. You can play it again. You can buy it if you want to do, but that's obviously entirely up to you. And you can build up your own playlist of your favourite songs. I think that's quite clever.
0: But that is the point, isn't it? Perhaps technologies like that, and you mentioned Shazam, maybe these technologies will replace that music discovery function and the need to identify the music on the air becomes less important. Yeah, that's true. And the nightmare of logging. And if you're playing stuff
1: off CD like I do for my specialist programme, that has to be logged manually. If you're playing stuff out of a
0: playout system, it logs it for you. But that's not gone away. I'm amazed, Gerald. I'm absolutely amazed that, you know, where are we now? December 2013 and you're logging records by hand. Uh, Well, yes, if you do a specialist music
1: programme, you type all that music in by hand into the computer after you've played each track or at the end of the programme. And there is a market there for, for you, Shazam, <laughs> uh, and uh, that would save a lot of effort, wouldn't it? Well, they have talked about watermarking music, and indeed it does exist, and it's just a matter of integrating the different playout systems with the logging system for the, for the Performing Rights Society and so on. Yes, of course it makes total sense.
4: The Earshot. Create review. Ear.
0: Shut. It's the Earshot Creative Review. My guest is Gerald Jackson from uh, BBC Local Radio, where he's been, uh, well, virtually all his working life. Isn't that right, Gerald? <laughs> yeah,
1: 45 years, yes, man and boy.
0: And what are we going to hear next?
1: Well, uh, let's, let's play something a little bit more contemporary. I did mention earlier that uh, I'm based at BBC Radio Lancashire, and, and in a quiet moment, I help them out occasionally with some of their trails. It's not my job to do that, but I like doing the creative hands-on when I've got a moment or two between mixing jingles and the rest. Um, this next piece that you're going to hear, you will perhaps think of a certain television commercial for a very large department store. And... If you do, that doesn't really matter, uh, because before they chose to use it, I'd found a very nice instrumental version, I think it was a, a Polish orchestra, playing the song by Keane, Somewhere Only We Know, with the concept, putting this in your mind, that BBC Local Radio knows this area better than anyone else. It's Somewhere Only We Know. So for Lancashire Week, this was part of the branding. And just to be clear, you used this track before John Lewis... We used it before John Lewis, but when John Lewis started using it, we decided we'd also use the Lily Allen, Lily Allen instrumental version, just to bring it up to date a little bit. And now, of course, whenever John Lewis show their commercial, BBC Radio Lancashire gets a free plug. Oh, we love that. We
0: call that glow. Right, <laughs> let's have a listen. It's Lancashire Week from BBC Radio Lancashire. Well, more than bloody useful. <laughs> We've got some of the most beautiful
4: countryside in the whole of the UK.
1: Nice villages, the
0: countryside's nice when you get over the tops and everything.
4: You know, you're sort of in a town and then five minutes later you're in the country and you can go for walks and, yeah, I'd say it was that,
1: yeah. I'm by birth a, a Brummie, but I feel uh, far more loyalty to this part of the world than ever I did to Birmingham. And so, I've got to know Lancashire very well indeed, and um, I couldn't bear the thought of not living here. It's
0: Lancashire week Somewhere only we
3: know on BBC Radio, Lancashire.
0: One of the things that you're responsible for in BBC local Radio um, is something that we worked on together many years ago, and that's sharing best practice in promos Mm. across across the network how does that work and you know if you come up with a concept like that on one station how easily can it find its way onto other stations if if they deem it appropriate well we have a, a shared folder um, (laughs) It's all done (laughs) on Dropbox.
1: (laughs) Well, actually, this is a BBC server, believe it or not. Um, And we encourage the station sound producers, when they've got a good idea, um, to, to share it with others by just putting it in a folder. And there is a link to go there. And look, if you've got, you know, like sports trails is a very good idea. Every local radio station does a trail probably every week promoting their weekend football. There has to be an original way of doing that out there somewhere because it usually means a list of games and some clips of goals. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying that's the usual treatment. So if somebody comes up with another really good idea, share it tell other people in the local radio distribution list, this is a BBC one, of course, uh, what you've done and that the trail's there if people would like to listen to it. You can even share the sessions. Most of the mixing that we do is on Adobe Audition 3. So if you want to be really helpful, you can say, I've popped the session file on there for you and, you know, you can just pop
0: your own clips in, but that's how we put it together. That's the music or whatever. What support does the marketing and the promotions function in bbc local radio get because for as an outsider it doesn't get talked about as much as it would for example on a brand like radio one no, I think you're absolutely right. We ha- We've had a trail for our network uh, radio
1: programme, uh, the Mark Forest programme, which is networked every night on most stations when they're not doing live sport, um, and that uh, has had its own network trail, and that's easier, because you can say this is on every station at this time every, every day, and you can use the brand BBC Local Radio. The problem is, actually, the brand BBC Local Radio doesn't really exist, does it? You know, BBC Radio Lancashire exists, BBC Radio Merseyside exists, but when you say BBC Local Radio... I don't know whether the public instinctively know what you're meaning by that. It certainly doesn't have the same emotional warmth. No, and if you've got a brand like Smooth, it's easy to know exactly what you mean. And yes, you may have a Smooth Northwest, although it's part of a national network, you hear local commercials and news and so on. But you do know what you mean by the one word smooth. BBC Local Radio doesn't quite work that way. Perhaps we should be Radio 10. I hope you're not suggesting a, a dilution of localness there, Gerald. Uh, just the opposite. I think, you know, if you're asking me off the record, and not that anybody's listening to what we're saying here, Steve, um, what I would like, I'd love BBC Local Radio 45 years on to be local 24 hours a day. Uh, I think it's a real pity we haven't got the money to do that, and it would be great if it was totally local all the time. But when I started at Radio Lang- Radio Leeds, we went in and out of network radio all day. We only did four hours of local Programs. And they were in 20-minute chunks. There's a programme called Joan Elliott Calls, a 20-minute programme. And then at the end of that, we might join a bit of Jimmy Young on, on Radio 2. I went to a meal with a guy called Phil Sidy, who was the manager of Radio Leeds when it opened, sadly no longer with us. Myself and a guy called Nigel Fell, we went to Nash's Fish and Chip Shop in Leeds in about 1969. And he said, so what can we do to make Radio Leeds more local? And we said because we were so clever, uh, broadcast more local programmes. And he said, we've got no money. And we said, well, why can't we play more music? And he said, because we've got no needle time. And older listeners, again, will remember the concept of needle time, where you could only play so many records during the course of a day. And it was an hour a day of commercial music. So um, he said to Nigel, well, go and find some music we can play. And he went off and found a load of stuff called Coded Music um, and um, ra- the, the Sleeves Records, which were a lot of foreign orchestras, like the Radio Orchestra of Barden-Barden and Red Owen and his Big Eight. I was very big on them. And uh, he had a very good version of Show Me the Way to Go Home. And uh, CM-19B Track 3 was a favourite of mine. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> why do you remember this sort of thing? So we started doing programmes, and that was one of the reasons I got on the air every day, because I did a programme in the afternoon called Say It Was Music where I just played basically wallpaper. Test card music, I suppose you could call it. But we
0: were local. We weren't in and out of Radio 2. Well, I remember a a former BBC local radio editor said to me one day when I went to his station, he said, Look, Steve... um, I I know it's a bit shit, but it's local shit. (laughs) (laughs) Do you bleep that on this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Gerald, um, you've now reminded me why uh, we worked so long together but never got anything done. Uh, I just spend uh, many enjoyable hours in your company listening to uh, all your stories. Always a pleasure. Uh, and it was a great pleasure working with you i don 't know how you look back at those uh, what five years we spent together yeah yeah, we
1: had a, a, an amazing production team, um, the Trailblazers, as we were called and uh, it was it was amazing It was fantastic and actually talking about what you were talking about um, a few moments ago, where we actually did produce a lot of high quality material to help promote BBC Local Radio now you, you again you couldn't do it today and after DQF there just isn't the money but those were really really creative times and I had the pleasure of working in the Manchester office at, at the late Oxford Road it's now Car Park uh, with a guy called Simon Ferber and another guy called Phil Hilton and latterly Reg Sanders who was our TV creative who made some fantastic little bits of television and we mixed his sound for him um, and those were the most creative times and really
0: really happy memories so thank Thank you for that and gerald thank you so much for sharing it with us today on the earshot creative review great to talk to you thank you thanks steve next time all being well nathan freeman from six music james espley from team rock radio and you i hope get in touch at earshotcreative.com i'm steve martin ambassador of radio bye for now the
4: sponsored by hobson's
2: This week on the BBC A composer you haven't heard of The poetry of victims from a distant country
0: The spirit of the piece is highly transcendent
2: And a thoughtful documentary that you know you won't watch
0: I'm here to trace the very origins of the Phillips screwdriver
2: The executive payoffs are distant memories Our scandals are in the
4: past Because this week, we're doing something with an orchestra.